1: be as strong as you want to be, but when you're under pressure uh, and you are so nervous that your heart's beating and your legs are weak and you can't physically get yourself to do something, it doesn't matter. You've got discipline yourself to think about what it is that you want. Think about what it is that you're going to do. Think about, move towards where it is that you want to go as opposed to what you don't want to do. Hey folks, Mark Devine coming at you with the Unbeatable
0: Mind Podcast. Ooh, yeah. Here we are again this week with an incredible guest. I'm super stoked to meet him and uh and talk to him. And before I introduce you to Alani Yi, let me remind you to go to iTunes and please rate this podcast if you like it. If you don't like it, then don't listen to it and don't rate it. But if you do like it, <laughs> go rate it so people, other people can find it. You know how else are they going to find it? Because you know there's a lot of people out there who game the system and you know pay people to rate their podcasts and stuff. I'm just asking you to do it. And uh, and, and there's five stars. And so if you start on the right and just click on the right, then that'll be enough because <laughs> that'll light up all five. You see where I'm going with that? <laughs> All right. Uh, so Alani, you, you gotta, you gotta correct me if I get your name wrong. But, um, Alani Sobenhin.
1: Sobenhin? Sho, Shobomahin. That wasn't too bad. Shobomahin.
0: Okay. That's, yep. yeah, I didn't do too bad. <laughs> Alani <laughs> Shobomahin. Okay. Alanihi is with me. He's dialing in from Vancouver. And Alanihi is a former NFL football player, played with the New Orleans Saints. He's a, he's a firefighter. He just informed me that he actually just retired. Thank you for your service. He's a father of four and uh, he's a motivational speaker and podcaster. And he's got a show called I'm Not You, which is cool. I can't wait to talk about that. And I'm sure, Lonnie, there's a ton of other things about you that we're going to want to get into. But um, I just first want to thank you for taking the time today. Thank you also for serving as a firefighter. I know that's not easy and you put yourself in harm's way. And uh thank you for being a parent, like a real parent, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and taking Absolutely, that seriously. Man. So I want to talk about all this thing. I want to talk about football. I want to talk about transitioning, you know, to private life and your podcasting and stuff like that, and then service, you know, parenting. We'll see where this goes. Absolutely. You you excited?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited, man. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you grew up in Portland, huh? Yep. That's a pretty cool city. Tell us about your early life. What were some of your influences? What what shaped you to be the man you are today?
1: You know, stuff like that. Absolutely, man. My dad actually came to America from Nigeria when uh, he was 18 years old. Okay. So he was one out of 10. I think it was 10 uh, kids that he was born to. And he was the first one to come to the United States. And so um, my dad, very disciplined, you know, uh, very much valued education, valued being together. So it was weird. it was, I was the third out of four boys. So we were all boys growing up wow. and we were a soccer family, you know, but at about sixth grade, <laughs> it was funny. I started gaining a little weight. You know, you go through a little chunky phase <laughs> and um, and I just hated running. You know what I mean? I couldn't stand running. So soccer practice was horrible. And then I, I was bigger. So I would like I would basically be running kids over in soccer games and um, getting a bunch of red flags. So I decided to play football when I was in seventh grade and I just fell in love, man. It was it was crazy because we didn't have a TV growing up. And so I didn't it wasn't like I knew, you know, you know, Jerry Rice and all these other players. But I just I just had this I was just drawn to football. I'm I'm sure a big part of it was the physicality, but it was Mm -hmm. something about the sport. And so I just fell in love, man. And I I played all throughout high school and then uh, walked on to Oregon State. And so, you know, walking on at Oregon State is a walk-on. You're kind of like an unpaid intern. You know what I mean? So it's kind of low on the totem pole. And so I sort of worked my way up that totem pole, but never quite earned myself a scholarship. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to reach out to the the coaches at Portland State and ask them if I can have a a scholarship. And they gave me a scholarship. And so I went to Portland State, which is my home city. So it was cool. I had my first son while I was in college. Okay. um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was a I think a sophomore. Man, had my first kid, and then went to Oregon or went to Portland State, and things still didn't quite work out for me as much when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my last year, I had a breakout season, okay. and I became an All American there. And then ultimately went to play with the New Orleans Saints for a couple of years, and that was awesome, man. And uh,
0: what was your what was your position? What did you play?
1: I was a fullback, so I was kind sort of like a fullback slash running back. I could play both. And so when I was in at Portland State. I was the single back. And so I got a lot of passes and ran a lot and things. But mm-hmm. at at uh, in the Saints, one of the things that drew them to me was mm-hmm. that I could catch and I could run and I could also block. So I was I was smaller for a fullback, but bigger for a running back. Were you
0: recruited by the Saints or did you uh re-free agent? How does how does that work? I don't know. Much yeah, so I
1: I was uh I didn't get drafted, so I was a rookie free agent, which is kind of similar to being a walk-on, actually. Really? It's <laughs> like you, you get like a it's like you, you're you on the team for a little bit, but you're it's not expected that you're going to make the team. And so, uh, again, man, it was it's, it was something that the way it worked out, man, and that's where the, the, the whole I'm not you mentality comes from. You know, it's like I just always felt like I never identified with, like, the majority of people. Like, most people told me, like, when I was trying to get to the NFL, it's like, why don't you just take care of your kid, you know, not try to waste any money training and all of that. Same thing when I was at Oregon State. Like man, just it's it's cool being a walk on. We get to travel, you know, and do all this cool stuff. But it's like I always had the mindset that I'm not you. Meaning, like I will do what other people won't do to right. get what I want, and I don't like to give up on what I want. So that was what. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the sayings we uh, use in SealFit
0: all the time is, "Do today what others won't, so you can do tomorrow what others can't." I think it's yeah. actually the smoke jumpers creed. Uh isn't that I mean that just you just basically love that. summed that right up. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. So were there any obviously your father was a big influence on your life. Did you have any other mentors and you know, where did you get this kind of like driving spirit to be different from?
1: Man, I think it uh it definitely came from my dad. We just had my dad's 75th birthday, I think, and um the dude is like He's got so much energy, it's incredible. You That's know, 75, he works out every day for two hours. Really? And so it's, it's funny how me and my brothers, we, when, we're, when you're younger, you don't appreciate it as much, but then when you get old, you realize all the seeds that, you're, you, that planted right. and they come to fruition. And so here I am, I'm looking at all my brothers and all of the positive fruits are showing from what my dad instilled. So he is big time. Also my big brother, Tunde. Um, he was a guy who, so I was the third out of four boys. And so I sort of went through this middle child stage where I was rebelling and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and wasn't really living up to the standards that, you know, our family had and, and things like that. I'm sure a lot of people can relate if you come from sure. a big family. And he just was the guy that like always saw the best in me. You know yes. what I mean? Like where I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, struggling in school and things like that, getting in trouble. And he, he was just always so encouraging, man. I remember he sent he played basketball at Stanford. And I remember he sent me this poster with the basketball cards of all the players on Stanford team and they all signed it. And it just had this message that like, like, I believe in you little bro, you know, like you got the juice. Like I, and it was like, I hung that up in my room and it's just like, I get chills just even thinking about what that meant to me, especially at that time in my life where I really could have went a lot of different ways. You know what I mean? And honestly, I told my brother all the time and he downplays it. I'm like, yo man, you, you, uh, you, you were, you're the man, you know what I'm saying? Like if I don't know what would happen without him, but, and, and all, all my brothers, because all of them had such a high standard for themselves that like, it was almost really difficult not to live up to that. Sure. And that uncomfort, being uncomfortable when you're little, like having to live up to a standard, it it can seem like a bad thing when you're little, but, uh, (laughs) I salute my brothers, my dad, and my mom as well, you know, just for setting the standard so high.
0: That's incredible. You know, a lot of siblings can be competitive and that that can have a negative effect. I mean, what you just told me, you know, sent chills down my spine just to have someone who you knew had your back at that level and just was like it was never going to give up on you. Of course your parents weren't ever either, but your your older brother and then you probably passed that down to your younger brothers too just in the way you treated them, the attitude of of support and just I mean, what just think about how different that is to to take the time to to get that poster, to think about it first, and then have right. the entire team sign it, right? Knowing full well that this is all just to support this guy's exactly. younger brother.
1: I mean, that is uncommon. It yeah. it is, man, and he's he's a uh he's a rare dude, my brother and, and all my brothers are awesome, man. And he would he actually brought me out one summer as well, my junior season, and uh I worked out with the team, the basketball team, at this on the Stanford campus. I nice. stayed with my brother, and it was like he just invested in me, and that is, you know, a huge reason why you know I do what I do today, as right. well as like that's the attitude that my dad instilled in us. My dad gave his whole life to at-risk youth here in the Portland area, nice. and so all of my friends came from you know my dad's program in his summer schools and after-school programs. We always had someone living with us. You know, um, at one point there was a homeless man who my dad literally allowed to live in our basement, you know, ah, like, uh, no like kidding. which is, yeah. And that, that man actually ended up dying in our basement as well. Like he had some sort of disease or something, but it just sort of speaks to like the culture that my father set up in the house. It was like, yeah. our home was literally open to everyone, you know, yeah. and that's sort of a mindset that, you know, unconsciously sort of just rubbed off on us where now me and all of my brothers were, we're serving in some sort of way. Like everything that we do is about giving back and, Investing in planting seeds, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. so that they can sprout. So I, I, I have my brothers and my my dad to thank for that, definitely.
0: That is awesome. What a great story. Okay, so when let's let's talk about your NFL experiences. You know, not a lot of people get to experience that. It's like you know, people are fascinated with my seal background because it's just it's rare. There's not many people that <laughs> right. they have the privilege of doing that. It's kind of the NFL NFL similar. What were the
1: highs and lows of the experience you had with the Saints oh man it's funny because there's, there's a lot man if it was a graph it'd be like <laughs> all like that I mean I remember when I first got the call I was at my apartment you know and it was the the draft was going on it was about the sixth round and the Saints called me up and was were telling me that they wanted to pick me up and I remember getting that call and then they and then they called again saying that basically asking me if I wanted to accept and I'm like uh yeah do I got a choice like hell yeah you know what I mean and, and I <laughs> I hang up the phone and I'm telling my family, like, yo, I'm going to New Orleans, you know? And I, I'd never been to New Orleans. And right. they weren't even a team that I thought were, was even on the radar. And then going to that rookie camp, you know, seeing my jersey and my helmet there, taking the pictures and sending it back to my brothers and stuff, to, my, to my, when I started my first game against the San Francisco 49ers that first season and running out the tunnel. So each week they, have, they alternate, like offense or defense, right? Runs right. out the tunnel. And so my first start, I was like, uh, I, w- I remember it was like Wednesday or Thursday and my friend Lionel, he was like, man, I wonder who's going to run out the tunnel this week. Like, is it the offense or the defense. And the funny thing about it is I had visualized so many times running out the tunnel. Like I literally like imagined it so many times all the way from when I was back in college and things like that. And then I found out it was the offense running out the tunnel, man. And sure enough, they called number 33, Shabomaheen. And I I damn near sprint out there. You know what I mean? (laughs) They they hadn't even got done saying my name yet. I'm like clear halfway across the field. So um, catching my first pass in that game as well. And then the the lows, man. So it was funny. My first game starting against the the San Francisco 49ers, having a pretty good game. And then we get a call on the goal line. And I knew the ball was going to come to me because we practiced this, this play all week. Right. And so it's about, it's fourth and one. And then we decided to go for it. We're up by a couple of touchdowns, but it's still somewhat of a risky play. And that's Sean Payton. You know, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And Drew Brees is at, at, at a quarterback. And I do a little under, a little under flat. And I come, I, I catch the ball. In college, this would have been an easy touch. I could have just fell in the end zone, right? But in NFL everyone's so much more quick and their instincts are so much more sharp. Mm -hmm. And so I literally turn around and the safety just blast me, just, just crack like literally a picture perfect hit from a Mm -hmm. defensive standpoint. And I fumble, hyperextend my knee and my shoulder dislocates as well on the same play. It was like, uh, and I on the goal line, you know what I mean? And um, so the play got challenged and I was literally on the sideline, just like, please, (laughs) please let it be a touchdown. But um, it ended up not being a touchdown and, I ultimately had to get surgery a couple weeks later on that shoulder and cut that season short. Jeez. And then, uh, yeah, so that that was definitely a, a low, if you will, you know, and and then, of course, being released the next season uh, and then having to watch them win the Super Bowl without me. Uh, that oh, was no, really man. tough, man. Like, I just still remember being with my friends watching that and literally feeling like I wanted to cry. You know what I mean? I <laughs> like, where, so, like, I, like I was happy. And then I was also like. Mad, you know, I was I was literally mad, and then there was some jealousy as well. I saw this one guy too, and I'm just like, man, he got a ring. I'm I'm watching him like he was hurt the whole season. You know, he didn't even play a game. You know, at uh. So anyway, man, that, uh, and then you know having that cut short, but it was an awesome experience, man. Getting to play with the guys that I was able to play with, being a part of that team at that time, mm-hmm. being able to fulfill a dream like that. And that was something that a lot of people would tell me. They're like, I used to get annoyed. Like people would say, man, well, at least you made it, you know? And I'm thinking, man, nah, man, I wanted to like, I had dreams of being a, a all pro, you know, and doing this. But now I'm at, I am at the point where I can be proud that, because it's not something I think about a lot, honestly. And my, every now and then I'm, I'm reminded because my sons will, will, uh, well, like brag to their friends about the fact that their dad played in NFL. And I, I remember like, yeah, yeah I did play in the NFL. That was pretty cool. You know <laughs> that's I mean? right. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, mm-hmm. I, I can, I can feel good about that, you know, cause that is a dream that I had that I made real, you know? So that's essentially what I help young athletes and, and high performers do now as well.
0: Hey folks, I want to take a moment to let you know about a product I've been using over the past month or so. I don't do this very often, but there's a few products that I think that you need to know about. And this is one of them. It's called the Clean Energy Patch. It's basically a cleaner way to get energy without using energy drinks like Rockstar or Red Bull or those, those shots that come in the little plastic bottles. Those things just rot your gut. The Clean Energy Patch, however, you just slap it on your arm and it slowly energizes you or keeps you energized throughout the day. Originally designed for athletes and military members to boost performance naturally without those side effects like jitters and dehydration, which are going to degrade your performance. And let me tell you what, it does what it says. I was so impressed with it that I asked if they'd be willing to give a discount to you, listeners of this podcast, so you can try it too. So Clean Energy Patch is offering a 20% discount to all Unbeatable Mind listeners on your first order. Use the code UNBEATABLE2016 at www.cleanenergypatch.com to take advantage of the offer. And check out the show notes below for more information. Now, you um, obviously are are, uh, interested and clearly interested in mental toughness and focusing techniques, and clearly you had a lot of your own that allowed you to get to where you got and and succeed the way you did. Can you share some of them with us? Like what what were your rituals and what was your internal dialogue like when you were in the big game, you know, when you played for the saints, like how how did
1: you get there and how did you use the, your mind to succeed? So when I was younger and this is funny, because what I do now is I, this is, these are the systems and things that I teach now, but while I was an athlete, especially even, even all growing up, it wasn't conscious. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was conscious of what I was doing. But now that I'm able to look back, I'm able to say, okay, this is what I was doing that helped me succeed. This is what didn't. Right. So one thing that I that I definitely, I, I was an aggressive learner. Like I learned really, really quick and, and I liked learning. So that's something that I believe should be a part of every athlete's mindset, just having the humility to learn and soak up game. You know, right. like I remember right. when I was young, I would like, all the coaches and I would gravitate towards the coaches who I knew knew a lot you know and I would just ask them questions all the time like I would after after practice I'd be doing different drills I'd be making shit up I'd be like doing you know little cutting drills and I had no idea what I was doing but I would always be learning and so and and I enjoyed learning and, and so that that was a big part of it and then I'll go back to the I'm not you mindset as well it, this internal dialogue that I had was that I just didn't, I refused to associate with losing or like failure. I just didn't even see it that way at all. It's like, I'm going to get what it is that I want. Like it was sort of a natural aggression that I had, you know, and uh, optimism that, could seem unrealistic a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure I looking back, I understand. I'm like, damn, I can't believe I thought I was going to be able to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> right. but I, I did. you, but know, if you can't think it, will never
0: happen. Right.
1: Exactly. It is like, what would you rather think? I always say that, like, what's the option? Like, OK, would you rather believe that it won't work out? And so the the mindset that I have is like, what is it that I want? And what would I have to believe in order to get what I want? you know and so that changes from time to time you know sometimes you might have to be more conservative sometimes you may have to take risk but uh another thing that I was meant is I was just I had a certain level of awareness where I I was always willing to hear feedback you, you know what i mean and now whenever i get that feeling that i don't want to hear it I, that's a that's a really really scary feeling for me you know because That means that I think I got to figure it out and that I've stopped learning. So those those are some of the mindsets that I would take with me, you know, in those in those particular times and not really running from situations that were hard as well. That was another thing, man. It's like I I just honestly believe that the only way for me to get better was to be in those type of situations and doing things that were tough actually gave me pride. You know, so it's like when I'm doing something that's really hard, it's like I felt good about myself. I'm like, I know other guys aren't doing this, so I feel better about it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Now, uh, I know that you're physically tough
0: and, you know, this is one of the things everyone thinks seals, you know, okay, we're all these big, big tough physical guys. But my experience is that emotional strength is equally as important and oftentimes more important. And, and is that something that um, you feel like you developed through your your family or, um, you know, being involved in sports? And do you, f- mm-hmm. I guess I should back up and say, do, what do you think about this idea of emotional strength and, you know, mm-hmm. how do you it's- work with
1: that? It's it's everything, because if you don't have that, all of the physical, tangible skills that you have are virtually useless. Right. So I know you know this like it, you can be as strong as you want to be. But when you're under pressure uh, and you are so nervous that your heart's beating, and your legs are weak and you can't physically get yourself to do something, it doesn't matter. And I saw this. We used to call these guys workout warriors, you know, when guys were super, you know, big time in the gym. But when it comes time to play. They don't got it. So I'm all about emotional strength, emotional fitness, emotional juice and being able to push yourself emotionally and being aware of even how you feel on a day to day. You know, Mm -hmm. another question I like to ask is, like, most people say, what do I need to do? Right. And I say, like, what would I need to feel in order to do what I know I need to do with the most amount of intention and strength and power and effectiveness? And so just being aware of that, that, those emotions. So I believe that 100 percent. That is awesome yeah how do I need to feel to be
0: able to do what I need to do what a, yeah. what a great mantra almost you know what I mean or or just what a great just question to ask yourself and a lot of people don't know how to access those feelings of power do you have any like any secret to that like how do you
1: access your emotional power when you need to that's a that's a great question and I will say this is the analogy I use it's just like working out right If you want to be strong, then you have to if you want to build strength, right, You first of all, you have to be consistent. So you have mm-hmm. to deliberately practice. You don't just magically get strong. Right. You have to go and actually do it. So actually sending aside time to condition yourself mentally and emotionally is absolutely critical. Right. So then it's like, what what do I need to do when I'm doing that? Is decide how you want to feel. That's first and foremost, right? Like make a, make a goal, like have the, the vision. So I want to feel more motivated. I want to feel more inspired. I want to feel more energetic, whatever that is, And then there's a few things. So one of the easiest things that you can do that I always like to do is put myself around people who model that, right? Because they naturally rub off. And and so that's that's an obvious thing that most people understand, but they don't really do. It's like Mm -hmm. we all know we need to have mentors, but how many people actually have mentors that they hang around, that they watch, and that they see? But I always like to, you know, uh, Tony Robbins talks about that triad, right? Those three Mm -hmm. things that contribute to any emotion. It's your body, how you use your body, what you Mm -hmm. focus on, and the words that you use, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have a a, a ritual, if you will, called Prime Time, where I literally practice feeling the way that I want to feel. And I do it in an exaggerated way, right? Mm So in the same way that you go in the gym and you put on more weight so that you get stronger, you need to put on, you need to stretch yourself emotionally. So with your body, do what you would normally or do what you would do, felt the way you wanted to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Focus on the things that you would focus on. Say out loud and in your head the things that you would say if you were feeling that way. And so for everyone, it's different. I have certain things that I say say to myself when I'm feeling motivated, when I'm feeling inspired. I have a certain internal dialogue that I use when I'm calm and poised. And so being able to identify what those emotions are that you want to feel and then simply practice them, consciously practice them. This is something I do with my kids, man. I've started like I would take them to the store and say, you, you have to go introduce yourself to one person before we leave here, you know, mm-hmm. and go go practice feeling that way. And they they're all nervous, but it's like mm-hmm. if we can intellectualize about it all we want, we can philosophize and, and talk about and and I can teach you guys, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to feel those feelings. So just like it's uncomfortable when you go to the gym and you put on more weight, mm. it's going to be uncomfortable when you start to stretch yourself emotionally. If you have the same baseline, my goal is always to raise an athlete's emotional baseline to nice. where you, you have more range. You can you can go here, you can go there. You shouldn't be all the time pumped up and juiced. Yes. You should be able to be calm and poised in certain situations. You should mm. be able to be introspective and sort of be able to look, look look at game look at the game more with a bird's eye view, et cetera. So. Just identifying what those emotions are and deliberately practicing those consistently, putting yourself around other people in that way as well.
0: Man, I love that. I think that's fantastic, and I completely agree with you. And and you're right to to invoke Tony because Tony Robbins is probably the master when it comes you know, to, to state management and, and to right. being able to really access those feeling states and tie it to a thought and, and also you know how to get your body involved. You don't know how – you know, if you move your body and you stand up straight, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've been, exactly. one, I was invited to one of his events as a guest, uh, by a seal fit athlete who did his fire walks, And it was cool. I was like, first I was like, ah, you know, <laughs> I really want to go to six days of Tony Robbins. You know, yeah. and I have no, all, with all great respect, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'll probably shoot myself after the third day, but <laughs> I loved it. You yeah. Know, six days. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah. people are laughing like you're an idiot, Mark, but I'm like, no, it was fun. Like he really got you juiced up. Yeah. You know whether that was sustainable or not over the long term. That's you know that's a whole different thing because you got to practice it. Right, it's, right. You, you got to practice it every day. And so emotional strength is hard. And the reason I'm I'm want to stay on this a little bit because most guys, as you're aware, don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so you know if, you know you've been um, teaching people how to do that. That's really important work. And because I, I think personally, it's a it's a big gap in our society and and frankly in the world global society is is connecting to our emotional strength. And not just so that we can be more powerful and kick ass and take names in right, sport right. or combat or something, but also so we can be more intuitive and connect to other people, right? And so that we can, you know, we can realize that we're deeply connected. And you can come from Nigeria and, you know, be super successful in the United States because, you know, ultimately inside we're all the same. You exactly. Know I mean? Exactly. At some level, it's what we do with what's inside. Right. Right. Now, so, right. right? And that's ultimately mostly felt, the felt experience, mm-hmm. emotional strength. Absolutely. Super cool. And yeah. So decide how you want to feel, dialogue or say internally how you want to feel, begin to move and practice that, mm-hmm. right? Practice That's it. essentially your formula. Practice it.
1: Absolutely. And being very deliberate about those thoughts that you're thinking. So when you talk about focus, man, it's like when you feel fear, for example, you all you're doing is just imagining all the things that you don't want to happen, right? That's right. And so if you want to start feeling a different feeling in the midst of a crisis or under pressure, you've got to discipline yourself to think about what it is that you want. Think about what it is that you're going to do. Think about move towards where it is that you want to go as opposed to what you don't want to do. And that right there is real easy to say, right? It's real easy to to just read a book and say do that, but at the end of the day when you're under the pressure, it's really hard to do that, right? And so that is why you have to put yourself through the fire. And this is what I call it. It's called through the fire training. You got to like you have to deliberately seek out situations that make you uncomfortable. And, and I'm, yes. I'm talking about every day. This is a way of life for me. In the mm-hmm. gym, if you are going to the gym doing the same old tired workout routine, you're losing, man. You are. That's a, time, that's, a, that's a time that you could actually push yourself and develop so much confidence. I can't tell you what it does for my confidence knowing that every single time I get into the gym, I'm deliberately doing something. That's gonna be harder, more challenging than the one than the time before. And I yeah. win. Most of the time I win. I'd say about 80% of the time I'm walking out of the gym, got having gotten better in some sort of the area, right? Yeah. Like my yeah. reps going up or whether I put more weight on, you know, uh whatever it is. And so that, do, do a thousand push-ups. Yeah, hey, 1,000 push-ups, <laughs> exactly. I was I was telling Mark man, I first I first heard about you from Ramit Seti, man, I did the thousand push-up challenge in oh, uh nice. at work, you know, uh, on shift, you know, in uh I think we got a. I think I got a call in between then as well, you know. But I did it, and I still did it in. I think it was. What'd you say? An hour that you had to do it in under, or something like the that. The
0: goal. The goal is to do it in an hour. Right,
1: and I was when I first heard it, it was one of those things where I was like, "All right," I was like, "That's cool," yeah, but I, I was like, "I'm not gonna do that," <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and I did it, man. It was like, and the confidence that you get, it's like you you have proven to yourself that you can overcome this challenge, right? And however right. little it may be, but that adds up. And then when life throws challenges at you, first of all, they don't seem as bad. It's like, all right, this right. is cool. While most people are running around with the like a chicken with their head cut off, you're like, this is cool. This is manageable. I I, can, I got this because I've seen yeah. myself do it before. And it's more than just in your Like, it's important to visualize. And I'm I'm big time on that. But you have to bridge that between like, Purposely putting yourself in action on a daily basis and finding any way you can do it. Exploiting any mundane, everyday task and saying, like, how can I use this as a way to push myself uh, emotionally and mentally? Awesome. I'm with you 100 percent.
0: Now, you run your podcast now. Is is this your full time thing? The I'm Not You
1: podcast and parenting, of course. Yeah, (laughs) you got four. Yeah, I actually have five. Actually, you got five. Yeah. So I was a firefighter for two and a half, almost three years. man. I recently just retired uh, two months ago. It was like one of those things where I really enjoyed firefighting, and it was an awesome experience while while I was there. But it was like I had this thing that I really, really felt I'd been called to do, right? And I feel like I've really been called to help people develop that supreme confidence in in themselves so they can dominate under pressure. And it's like I've been, you know, you're doing two things or three things, I say, because I got my family as well, and there's a max in terms of how much you can. Grow or move forward in each of those things because you're too spread out. And so I had to just decide, man, what I wanted to do. And that meant that I was going to have to say no to firefighting and say yes to the business that I'm doing. And podcasting is one, one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I work with athletes. I work with high performers, taking them through in a systematic way, helping them develop that confidence and, and be able to start performing like they know they really can and start getting the results that they want in life.
0: Got that. So, does that look like one-on-one coaching, or how do you do that? What it, structure do
1: you? Use? So, okay. I have uh, one-on-one coaching. I have group programs as well. Uh, I have two digital products that I've that I've released also, and then of course I have my podcast as well. I'm going to start getting more into speaking eventually, but right now I'm just focused on you know uh, honing in on my systems and things like that, and really getting some great results with the clients I have right now, and adding a lot of value through my podcast also. and And it's been awesome, man. I'm having a blast.
0: <laughs> that sounds like it. And what is your, you know, what is your daily regimen like to stay fit, healthy, and
1: on top of your game? Man, so I wake up at five in the morning, and it's it's almost like a necessity. I have to. I have five kids, so it's summertime, so they're getting up a little later now, but. <laughs> I live with a sense of urgency, you know what I mean? Because I just have to. Every single minute of every day is very, very important. I don't have a lot of time to waste. My wife deserves my time, all my kids and my business as well. So I get up at five, take a cold shower in the morning, brush my teeth. I like to read my vision. This is something I, I just recently started, which I have this ID card is what I kind of like to call it. And it has basically my whole life on one page in terms of what I value, my mission, my uh, the. Uh, my beliefs, et cetera. And I review that in the morning. And then I meditate. I use this app called Headspace, which uh, I'm absolutely in love with. And I started using that about a year and a half ago, which is awesome. Um, And then I I do what I call blueprinting, which is I pretty much map out my day, but it's also a mental conditioning exercise. It's a series of questions that I ask myself each morning and that I write down that position my mind the way I need it to be. Because we all know like every, every time you wake up, you're not feeling fired up. At least I'm not, not every day, you know what I mean? And there's some days Mm -hmm. where my mind is here, but those, the blueprint sort of anchors me into the state that I need to be in on a daily basis. And like I said, it's the same questions that I ask every day. And now it's like, even if I don't have my blueprint, which I always do, but you know, it just, I just start thinking of those questions. You know, I start reviewing my purpose. I say, why are the things that like, what are the results that I'm going after today? What are the top three actions I need to uh, uh, complete in order to get those results? You know, why do I deserve all the success that I'm going after? Mm-hmm. And things like that. So that's something I do morning and night as well. And that's sort of my morning routine. And I also every day I I train in some sort of way. Working out, I like to lift weights at least four to five times a week. I lift heavy. You know, it's something I was I noticed like some guys after they after they're done with, with sports, they like run from lifting heavy. And it's like, I feel like it's just something I gotta do, man. It just mm-hmm. the way it makes me feels feel good. Yeah, it feels good, man. I like knowing. That I can lift heavy things and I can run from people if I need. I can run from a dog if I, need to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to know that I'm in great shape, so that's something I value a lot as well. Mark, Mark Ripvito said that that
0: strength training makes you more useful and harder to kill. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. I like that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Okay, cool. So what about diet and nutrition? You have have time for that, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, I actually recently just it was actually since I came back from the Tony Robbins event back in November. So I went to uh, Unleash the Power Within. And before that, I was considering getting rid of meat. But after that, it was like when I made the conscious decision to do that. And so I still eat eggs and things like that and some cheese here and there. But I've got I've given up on the meat, eating a lot of tofu. My kids don't like it. So I'm still trying to figure out how to make that better for them. But,
0: uh, so on that point, because I'm moving in that same direction, you know, and I've just recently blogged about, you know, moving toward a whole food diet. And I haven't 100% given up meat, but I'm, I'm down to like once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the challenges for people who train hard is getting enough of the protein and you know macronutrients to to sustain your weight and to not feel like you want to eat your arm off. Right. So how do you how do you get enough protein? What, what Man,
1: so I eat a lot of tofu, but I yeah. honestly don't eat as much protein as I used to. Just just I, like as when you know when you're an athlete, you're always eating protein powder. I don't yeah. supplement at all with any protein powders or anything like that. And I haven't had any problem gaining weight. That's actually not ever been my problem. Do so you a-
0: think protein, you know, that whole thing is just a 21st century myth and maybe really <laughs> what it is, we need more fat? Man. You know, we need fat and carbs and a little bit
1: of protein? Yeah, I know for sure that we need more carbs than we've been told that we need. But uh, in terms of the protein, man, I think it, it's one of those things where we like to know, like, I feel like human beings want to know the right thing to do. Like, we want to know that if we do this, we'll get this. But the reality is it's different for everyone. So I'm not even comfortable telling someone that they've got to be vegan or that they can't eat meat. It's like right. ultimately you have to find your stable system that is going to be yeah. a place for you. And I feel like you have to you have to put a lot of energy and effort into finding that, and not just waiting for somebody to give you some meal plan and say, "Here's what you got to yeah. do." Got to be willing to I totally. agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. Personalized nutrition is the way of the future. Still a ways off, but you know, yeah. if you have the, if you have your intuition dialed in and you spend enough time training your body and mind, then you'll find it. Exactly.
1: Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, we, we've got to wrap this up now. So people can find you. At, do you have a, a website or how do the people find you?
1: Absolutely. You go to I'm not and I actually okay. created a gift for your audience. If you go to imnotyou.com oh, cool. forward slash right divine, um, you can find that gift that I prepared for your audience as well. But you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all at Nee Shobo. So it's N-I-Y-I-S-O-B-O. And um, and um reach out to me. Awesome. Let's do that.
0: So, Alani, I want to invite you to Kokoro Camp someday as my guest. That's our 50-hour crucible. Nice. Um I think that you would love it. You'd have to train for it, you know, up your endurance game uh, for a little while. But uh, so just put that in the back of your mind.
1: To, um, when's the next one?
0: Uh, well, we have one this weekend. Funny you should ask. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't recommend it though. <laughs> and we have one in uh, September. Okay. And uh, let's see, September, September 23rd, 24th, 25th coming up. And then we'll run them three times next year. I and mean, these are amazing, amazing events. It's like I say, 50 hours, 5-0 of non-stop Dang. training.
1: That's crazy. Modeled
0: after the Navy, and it's just amazing. We have some really cool people who, uh, lots of NFLers have come through, lots of um, elite athletes, CrossFitters, Navy Seal candidates, and and then just a lot of guys and gals who just want to test and challenge themselves. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know you, on one end of the spectrum is the cold shower in the morning, <laughs> and the other end of the spectrum is Kennedy, exactly that, that the hardest hardest training in the world, man. Um And then I'd love to send you a copy of. Um, one of my books, so I'll reach out to Allison to send that to you. And you know, I know you love to read, so maybe you'll find some time to read Unbeatable Mind or The Way of the Seal. and
1: uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I have Unbeatable hope, Mind, and I've oh, cool. yeah, I've read that one. I, and I have your other, the workout one, the the bigger one, the eight eight weeks eight to, weeks seal, weeks to fit. seal fit. But the other one I don't have, so that'd be awesome. Okay, I'll
0: send you The Way of the Seal, which is kind of like my my leadership book. Yeah. That'd be
1: awesome. I appreciate that.
0: Awesome. Well, um, keep up the great work. Uh, hopefully we'll meet in person someday. And, Absolutely. Uh, let me know if, how I can help you in any way. And if there's anything that, uh, anything that we can do to, to promote your uh, efforts beyond, you know, a podcast. Absolutely. And uh, let Allison know uh or me directly if you want to do the Kokoro camp. I really um I think, you know, knowing who who you are now after this podcast that you would find a lot of value out there. It could That's, help you be like the next stage of your own personal journey. That
1: would, man. I I've, I've definitely never done anything like that, so that would be that would be going through the fire as I call it, definitely. <laughs> it
0: definitely would be. Yeah.
1: All right, Alani, super cool to meet you. Thanks so
0: much for your time. Who ya? And uh you know, you have a great day and stay focused. And uh for everyone else out there, go check Alani out at imnotyou.com and go uh, imnotyou.com forward slash divine, D I V I N E. And uh, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. You know, what's the gift? (laughs) He's very cryptic. He hasn't told us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, uh, train hard, stay focused, and uh, have fun. And hooyah, we'll talk to you next time. Church Divine out. Hey, are you committed to a SealFit event? Are you looking forward to going to Kokoro or SealFit Basic Academy? Or are you just starting out with your training, maybe with unbeatable mind? Well, let me recommend the SealFit Online community to guide you and aid you in your training. So this is where you're going to get the daily workout programs, either the on-ramp or the op-wad or the soft-wad, and great tips from myself and the SealFit Coaching staff. And for a short time... If you get one year of the SEALFIT training, we'll give you $200 off your next SEALFIT event. So you can save money and get outstanding training. Prepare properly with the folks who are bringing you the training itself. Don't miss this one. Low, boys. To
1: explode, boys. Make sure you get home, they got your back. The pride of the fleets. The bright swinging men the